Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. When people ask you to tell them about yourself, do you naturally bring up Jesus as part of the explanation? How often is the name of Jesus on your lips and in your actions? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 1 and look at this incredible example of a life given to Jesus in John the Baptist. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's Monday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are doing well and loving on Jesus, just spending time with Jesus. And um, there's really nothing, we say it over and over and over and it cannot be said enough. There's nothing in our lives of more value, of more importance, um, that, that has more benefit to us than spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. If you and I will do those four things and make them habits in our life and do them more and more and more, every aspect of our lives will, will grow in meaning and substance and power and love. Um, that's the meaning of life, right? Coming into relationship with Jesus, relying on him, trusting in him as your savior and Lord, and uh, that's how we become a Christian and then living our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ, learning from him in every manner and in, in every way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, today, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to do verses 19 to 28, Lord willing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then uh, we'll pray, and then we will uh, we'll get rolling. My beautiful wife May makes me this um, this uh, apparently very nutritious drink. It's one of the more horrible things a human being has ever tasted, but apparently it's very very good for you. I mean, take a look at that color, right? It's amazing, isn't it? Um, but it's just, I guess it's chopped up vegetables. I know there's kale in there and I don't even know what goes into it, but it's, it has to be good for you because it just tastes flat awful, right? But thank you, Lord Jesus, it's, uh, it's healthy. So thank you, May, my beautiful, lovely wife. Verse 19, John chapter one. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the word of God, the living word of God, the Holy Scriptures. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for the word of God. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, the, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior and Master and King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Scriptures. Give us eyes that see you and ears that hear you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 19. Remember, when we come to the Bible, Romans 15, 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, to instruct us, right? So when we read it, we want to read what's here to teach us and instruct us. Um, having historical, geograph uh, geographical, and contextual context um, is all very important. But that's not why it's there, okay? Uh, this isn't written so that we can know what happened 2,000 years ago. Certainly, we do want to understand the historical context, the geographical context, and the cultural context. Um, all those things help us, okay? But they're not why it's here, Okay. One of the great mistakes we make as ministers is we'll, is we'll take a passage and we'll talk, you know, the vast majority of the time about historical, geographical, and cultural context, and then we'll speak very little about the application it has to our lives. It ought to be the opposite, okay? Um, having some historical context is fine. Um, it's good. It, it obviously can add to our understanding as well as cultural, geographical context, um, and obviously it's important to follow the context, okay? But it's written to teach us, to instruct us. Again, Romans 15, 4, Paul said this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, okay? It's not written to tell you a story. It's not written so you could, you know, read it, learn what was said, and, you know, what would it, what it was like in those times, what the history of those times was like. And again, we'll see here in later verses how, how cultural context can really help us, okay? As well as historical context and geographical context. But the most important thing is what is here for us to instruct you and me in our lives, in our relationship and walk with Jesus Christ. Hmm. Excuse me. Thank you. Verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. When someone asks you about yourself, and we'll look here in uh, verse 22 where it says, Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? When someone asks you about yourself, when someone asks you about you, I, uh, I studied this this morning with the elders of Kingdom Discipleship, uh, Tom and Jesse, and it was a... Uh, it was an amazing study. Again, it's just um, every time you study something in the scriptures, it, it really, if you give yourself diligently and if, you, if you're willing to do it in a, in a group, 
you always, you know, you always get more out of it. Obviously, when you just study it yourself, the Lord will give you insights, right? Um, and it's helpful to see the insights that other men and women of God have received when they've studied it. But there is just such a value in studying the Word of God and studying it, you know, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And what we talked about this morning is just this concept of, you know, people go to John. The religious organization goes to John, and we're going to talk about that. The Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, John the Baptist, who he was, okay? Um, this is the Apostle John who wrote this book, one of Jesus' 12 apostles and disciples. And he now is writing about this man, John the Baptist, Um John the Baptist is spoken of by Jesus in the absolute highest regard possible. Jesus said that there never, ever lived a human being that was greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said you got to go to heaven, basically, to, uh, to find someone who lived a more productive life in the kingdom of God than John the Baptist. So think about that. And when the religious organization goes to ask John, they pepper him with questions, okay? They keep asking him question after question after question after question. Um, because John is doing the work that the Lord had given him to do, okay? Um, th there is a, uh, there's, a, there's a great imbalance in the body of Christ today, okay? Um, in the body of Christ today, we, we, we can often live our lives more in what I call churchianity than true biblical Christianity, okay? We can be more devoted to church than we are to Christ himself. And, and at a certain level, amongst many Christians, it's epidemic, okay? Now, what am I saying? Being part of a good Bible-based church and ministry is essential. Every Christian needs to be. It's a good thing to go to church. It's a good thing to spend time at church. Again, it needs to be a church that, that holds Jesus Christ in the highest regard. Okay, If you're in a church and you don't hear the name of Jesus several times, multiple times, all the time, when you're in there, then you need to go somewhere else. Okay, um, Wherever you are, any religious deal, anything talking about God, you have to hear about Jesus because that's all that matters, okay? So you need to be in a church that, number one, that exalts the name of Jesus. And what I mean by that is Jesus is on their lips all the time. Jesus is on the lips of the leadership all the time. You hear his name mixed into every single sermon all the time, okay? There ought not be any sermons that don't have the name Jesus in it. Okay. Again, one of the issues in the church today is we have sermons where we'll hear God, 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 God. And that's fine. Okay. The Bible teaches we have a triune God, but it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have any relationship with God. It's only in Jesus Christ that we have have any understanding of God. Jesus is God, but Jesus came that we would know the triune God, that we'd have relationship with the triune God. 
Everything in our lives is in Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. So we have to talk about Jesus and name Jesus specifically in anything. So that's number one. Be a part of a good Bible-based church and ministry, as many as you like, as long as they magnify the name of Jesus consistently, meaning they say it all the time, right? They're always working it into their lives, right? The more you talk about Jesus, the better you'll be. And they magnify the word of God. They consistently are teaching the word of God, not their own ideas, not their own thoughts, not their own ways, but they're teaching the living word of God. Okay. You want to be a part of these organizations. Okay. That's a good thing. Okay. But here's the issue. Even when you're in a part of these, you want to remember that the church didn't, didn't die for you. The pastor didn't die for you. I certainly didn't die for you. Your mom, your dad, your wife. No one died for you except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave his life on your behalf and on my behalf. So we don't serve church, okay? And our ultimate authority is in no way the church, okay? Our ultimate authority is Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth. It's to him that we're going to give an account, okay, of our lives. Now, what am I saying? Obviously, when you are a part of a church that magnifies Jesus and glorifies Jesus by consistently exhorting you to know Jesus and walk with Jesus, exhorting you in the Bible and the scriptures, and there are faithful men and women in that church or in that ministry that are magnifying to Jesus, of course you want to be, you know, you, you want to you wanna sit under these people and learn from them and... Um, you know, and, and be respect, you know, respectful, right? That's a good thing. But remember, it's ultimately Jesus Christ, not any human being that you're in, that you're ultimately accountable to. And it's Jesus Christ who's ultimately commissioning you. Okay. You don't need any man or woman in any church or anywhere or any ministry to commission you to do the work of Christ. Okay. You're going to notice here that John the Baptist is doing what the Lord had called him to do. And yet the Jews of Jerusalem or the religious organization of that time, those were in charge. They, they didn't like it. Okay. And sometimes we do have this territorial spirit in the church and we all struggle with it, right? Where if you're not a part of us or you're not doing what we like, or you don't have our bend, um, then we can get all out of sorts. Right. And we try to bring everything under, under our control. And it's a horrible thing. And it's something we need to repent over, right? You remember when, uh, when uh, you know, when the disciples, remember when, when John said to Jesus, you know, we, we saw somebody driving out demons in your name, but we made him stop because he wasn't one of us. Jesus said, don't stop him, leave him alone, right? You know, we can have this attitude that if you're not one of us, Right? If you don't do things exactly the way we do it, then you know you don't need to be ministering. You're not called by God. So again, not by any means am I giving license. We have to be ministers who, again, magnify and glorify, preach and teach the Son of God and the Word of God, the Word of God and the Son of God, clearly and properly. Okay, we do have to teach it properly as it's laid out in the scriptures. You know, we have to teach the true meaning of the scriptures, right? We can get distracted in a lot of things, but remember, right? 
you're a Christian. Your devotion needs to be to Christ, right? Serving Christ, loving Christ, giving your life to Christ, right? You belong to Christ, right? He gave his life for you and you are one with Jesus Christ, okay? Um, the church is, is meant to help us to that end, right? But again, sometimes we can get out of balance. When the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, okay, who he was, do the work that Jesus has called you to do, okay? Sometimes, um, as churches and ministries, we can fail in our affirmation of that work. Now, obviously, if someone is doing something in Christ and it's unbiblical or it's wrong and it doesn't match the scriptures, then they ought not to be doing it, right? Um, but we want to be encouraging as those who are pastors and ministers and leaders. We want to be encouraging people to consistently do the work of Christ. And it shouldn't have everything to do with our church or our ministry. It's not about us. Our job is to serve the Son of God and the kingdom of God. Not all the little buildings walk around that we call churches. Again, it's good to be a part of these, you know, a good Bible-based church, okay, that magnifies Jesus. But our job is to serve the Son of God and the kingdom of God. And as church leaders, it's our job to empower people to do that uh, and not get in their way, okay? So, um, no one needs to commission you, okay, to do the work of the gospel. If you know Jesus Christ today and you're serving him, go out and do the work that he's called you to do. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he told you to go and make disciples of all nations, right? Verse 19, make disciples. He didn't say make Christians. He didn't make, say make churches. He said to make disciples, disciplined followers of Christ who are trying to, to emulate the life of Jesus Christ in every manner and every way. Right now, you notice John has a testimony. Okay, verse 20 He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. It's interesting that John doesn't talk a lot about himself. Okay, and I have failed in this many times. And as Christian leaders, and John obviously is, is, a, is a leader, right? With, he's called into an immense leadership position. As leaders, as pastors, at any point where we're leading others, we ought not talk about ourselves that much. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Christ. They're going to have to push John to get him to talk about who he is. Look at 21. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Three words. He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Moses in, in Deuteronomy, might be chapter 31, You'll see the verse on the screen. Um, Moses said that a prophet, you know, would come, that the Lord would send a prophet. And, you know, they're asking him, are you that prophet that Moses promised in, uh, in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament? Um, and, uh, and John says, no. So you see, and then it's, look, it says in verse 22, finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So they have to prod John to talk about himself, okay? John is willing only to talk about what he isn't. Our job as ministers and really as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, is to magnify Jesus. Um, we, we, 
when we're talking about ourselves, when we're giving testimonies to what the Lord is doing in our lives, and as I've said, I have failed on this and I ask you to forgive me, Lord. You know, we want to testify, but we don't want to make it about us, right? You notice John doesn't talk about himself. He just says, I'm not the Christ. No, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not the prophet. Then when they push him, okay, finally they ask, verse 22, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. So he quotes the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. And he said, this is who I am. I'm a voice that's calling out and telling everybody to make room for Jesus, to make a place for Jesus. What do you have to say? Look at verse 22 where they say, what do you say about yourself? When you, when someone asks you today, you know, or you haven't seen someone in a while, or you just met somebody, or you're having a conversation with somebody at work, could be your boss, could be a colleague, and you're their boss, but whatever it is. When someone asks you, what do you say about yourself, Jason? Well, what, what do you reply, big brother? What do, what do you reply? When someone asks you, Peyton, what do you say about yourself? Scott, when someone says, what do you say about yourself? Do you bring up Jesus? I was talking to the guys this morning and we had confessed that when someone asks you who you are or what do you say about yourself, if you do not bring up Christ, Jesus, and your relationship with Jesus, then you're not where you need to be. What all of us should have to say about ourselves should not be about ourselves, our hobbies, our interests, and certainly there's nothing wrong with that, right? If someone asks you, you know, it, it's not a religious thing, okay? It ought to be the place in our heart where someone is saying, you know, what do you say about yourself? It ought to come naturally to you to talk about Jesus and where you are in your walk with Jesus and where you're growing with Jesus. And I want to say this again. Don't say God is doing this in my life. God is doing that. God is doing this. That's good. If God is doing anything in your life, it's in Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus, right? If you go look and read Colossians 1, you know, 15 to 17, you'll see that it says, he is before all things. Jesus created all things. Everything exists in him, through him, and for him. And he holds everything together, right? So, again, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, we need to have the name of Jesus on our tongue more, 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 more. What do you say about yourself, right? It ought to include what Jesus is doing in your life and how you're growing in your relationship with Jesus, how you're growing to know him and to walk with him and to love him and to obey him, where you're, where you're, you're growing to, to be more like him, right? What do you say about yourself? John replies, this is what I have to say about myself. I'm the voice of one calling in a desert, make straight the way for the Lord. John's testimony was, you know, again, not a lot of words there. He quotes the word of God, okay? You notice when John is asked what to say about himself, 
he quotes the word of God. He doesn't even talk about himself. He says, this is all I have to say about myself. I'm going to say what Isaiah said. I'm the voice of one calling in a desert. Make, make straight the way for the Lord. There's nothing you can do in your life. There's nothing you can talk about in your life. There's nothing you can testify in your life more or better than making a straight path for Jesus in this life, in this world, in the lives of all those around you. Remember, we said Jesus said to John the Baptist, there's never been a greater human being to walk this earth than John the Baptist. Never been one greater. That's saying something, right? The reason there's never been one greater is because all John did in his life, his calling, right? His purpose was to make a straight way for the Lord Jesus, was to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. And if you want to have a fulfilling life, and if I want to have a fulfilling life, we want to make a way for the Lord Jesus. Throughout each day of our lives, you want to find a way for Jesus. You want to make a path for Jesus. You want to open a door for Jesus. Okay? You do that in your words and in your actions and in your thoughts. Your thoughts, words, and actions are how we make a path for Jesus. And we need all of them, right? You're going to have to think about Jesus to make a path for him. John said, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Are you a voice of one calling out in the desert of this world? This world is not one where we live in in uh, 2021 that's, that's really interested in Jesus, right? It is a desert out there. It's a dry and barren place. Even the church has gotten to be a desert in most places. We need to be one who calls out into that desert and brings Jesus into that desert, invites Jesus into that desert, talking about Jesus, serving in Jesus, loving Jesus, giving for Jesus as we talk about, right? Forgiving for Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you confess freely? Obviously, he said, I'm not the Christ. Okay. You notice John said, I'm not the Christ. Okay. Jesus said that, you know, when we've done our duty, you'll see the scripture on the bottom of the screen. When you've done your duty, you ought to just say, we are unworthy servants. When we've done all that we've been told to do, we ought to say we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Right. And look what John says here in verse 24. Now, some Pharisees who had been sent, again, these are the religious leaders, okay? Now, some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? You don't need to be a big title to do the work of Christ. Look what they ask. It's a very interesting statement. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? You don't need a title to serve Jesus. You don't need a title to baptize in Jesus, okay? It's a good thing. You need to understand baptism. You need to know what it's about. To do the work of Christ, you don't need a title. You don't need a title of pastor or teacher or evangelist or bishop or prophet or apostle or whatever titles are going around, okay? The Lord is not impressed with our titles, and truly they mean very little, right? They mean very little, okay? Um, uh, when we stand before the Lord... All the title is going to mean, if you had a title in this life, all it's going to mean is that you're more responsible to Jesus for having that title or that position. But 
even if you don't have a title, you're still called to do the work of Christ. John the Baptist has no title, but those with the titles, right? It's funny that how often those of us with titles are always questioning the ones without them, right? Now, some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? You need to do the work the, 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 the Lord is calling you to do. If you're part of a good, solid Bible-based church, the, the, the leaders there need to be encouraging you in that in every way, right? Um, to do the work the Lord has called you to do, right? They ought to be encouraging you. They ought to be helping you. You ought to be partnering with them in it, right? Um, you don't need permission, okay? If you're a Christian today and a disciple of Jesus, you want to go out and do the work that Jesus has called you to do. Obviously, okay, you want to be mentored. You want to be discipled. Okay, by men and women of God who are strong, Bible-believing, Christ-following, Christ-speaking Christians, those who can correctly handle the scriptures. You want to be discipled by those pointing you to Jesus, pointing you to love Jesus, not pointing you to church. Okay, again, church is a good thing. But even those of us who are in the church, who work in the church, who have ministries and titles and teach and preach and do all kinds of things, our job is to point people to Christ, to serve Christ, to love Christ. And certainly we do that in church and in ministry, right? But our focus is Jesus Christ. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ nor Elijah the prophet? John is doing what the Lord had called him to do. He's serving Jesus Christ, making a path for Jesus Christ. And that's how you want to spend your life. Whether people that, you know, receive you or not, whether they encourage you or not, whether they appreciate you or not. Generally, it's been my experience that if you're genuinely doing the work of Jesus Christ, most people are not going to appreciate you. And I mean outside the church and in it. Right. Um, if everybody likes everything you say, if everybody likes you, OK, that's probably a sign that you're not doing the work the Lord would have you to do exactly how he would do it, right? Because when you do the work that Christ has called you to do, it inevitably brings persecution always from the world and even in the church, right? Now, again, our job is to forgive. We don't hold it against anybody. We love them, right? You turn the other cheek, as Jesus said. Even when they discourage you, you continue to build them up. You continue to encourage them, right? Again, whether they're worldly people who don't know Christ or whether they're in Christ, right? That's our job. I fail in it all the time, right? But we consistently repent and we continue to try to, to love people where they are, even if they don't love us. But do the work the Lord has given you to do. And again, if you're doing it based on the word of God and the son of God in line with the scriptures, that need be your only concern. Verse 26, I baptized with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. And that's a shame, right? These leaders did not know Jesus. They didn't know him at all. Do you know Jesus today? There are a lot of leaders and a lot of religions, and even in the church today, who don't know Jesus. Jesus is standing among you. And John says, among you stands one you do not know. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know your need of Jesus? You know, the Bible says that all of us are wretched, 
sinful people. All of us. Romans 3.23. Everyone is sinned and falls short of God's standard. Every one of us needs a savior from our sin. We cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can do. All of the good we've done will not take away our sin. We're desperate. We're hopeless. The Bible says that Jesus came into the world, lived a perfect life for us, died a perfect death for us, and is alive and risen. And if you'll acknowledge that today, you'll acknowledge that you are a sinful person and that you're hopeless. And then you'll go to Jesus. Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save us. It's acknowledging our need of Christ and calling out to him and asking him to come into our heart, be the Lord of our life, asking Jesus to save us from our sin. Do you know him today? Have you received Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior? Are you presently and currently trusting in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sin and the salvation of your soul? But among you stands one you do not know, John said. Do you know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, again, you can just call on him and pray, Lord Jesus. As I just said, you want to pray out of a knowing of how desperate you need him. We did a whole, uh, we did a whole teaching on what is a Christian? How do I become a Christian? And you can, you can watch that and, uh, and that'll explain it. It's an entire 45-minute teaching. Do you know Jesus today? Look at verse 27. He is the one who comes after me. This is John the Baptist speaking. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. It, uh, Jesse had shared with me that, that he had learned this, uh, this historical context while he was in church and um, very good teaching. Um, where he had, you know, very good insight on this, that in, in the culture of those times, when John said, he is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. In that time and in that culture where slavery was, was a normal part of life, and it wasn't based on skin color, um, when slavery was, 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 a, was a normal part of human life, the untying of someone's sandals or their thongs was considered so demeaning that not even a slave was ever asked to do it. You would not ask a slave to un, untie your, your sandals or the thongs of your sandals because that was an act that was beneath even a slave that you owned just to show you how, how base and how, uh, how dirty and how demeaning that task was. To untie the thongs of someone's sandals, um, a slave would not have been asked to do it. Yet, John the Baptist says, he is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not un. I am not worthy to untie. So do you see the context there? If you would, if, if, the, if the lowest in society would never be asked to undo the thongs of someone's sandals because it would have been beneath them, 
It was, it was, it was too demeaning even for a slave. John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to untie the thongs of the sandals of Jesus. It's pretty powerful, right? Try to understand, though. Try to put that in today's vernacular. What does he mean, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie? We, we really do lose sight of how unworthy of Christ, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we really are. Um, there is nothing in us. There, there is literally nothing in us that's worthy of Christ. That's worthy to know God our Father. To know the Holy Spirit. We are not worthy in any manner or in any way. We're indeed sinful. I think sometimes we clearly have a, an estimation of ourselves that is far too high. Now make no mistake. In our unworthy state, the triune God loved us so much that they... They executed the plan of redemption. God the Son willingly became a human man and loved you and loved me and loved the whole world so much that he gave his life on their behalf, on our behalf, on my behalf. That by putting our faith and trust and reliance in him, we would become children of our heavenly father. We would become sons and daughters of God, right? But whatever we are today, whatever we do, we need to understand that, that we are objects of mercy. Mercy is when we do not get punishment from God that we absolutely do deserve. That's God's mercy toward us. Verse 28, this all happened at Bethany. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Father, we thank you. We confess Today, I confess that I am certainly not worthy. We are not worthy of you, Jesus, not in any manner, not in every way, not in any degree. We thank you for your tremendous mercy and favor and goodness on our lives, Jesus. Lord, we do ask you to help us, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us today. Help us to, to testify about Jesus, to make a way for Jesus throughout our days Throughout each day, Lord, I pray that we would, you would help us to talk about you, to make a way for you, Lord, to be like John the Baptist, that when we're asked what we're about, we talk about that we're about Jesus, not in a religious way, but in a way that it's our privilege to know you, Jesus, and to walk with you and to love you and to make a straight way for you, to, as John said, to make straight the way for the Lord. Father, help us to make a straight way for the Lord Jesus and help us to repent. I ask you to forgive me, Father. Forgive us where we have fallen short in this. We thank you for this tremendous example. Father, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the blessing you've given us in the church. I ask you to help us as church leaders to glorify the name of Jesus, to magnify the name of Jesus, to encourage and build people up in Jesus. Help us all as Christians, Father, to, to honor Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus, being servants of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the local church and the blessing it is in our lives, Father. And I ask you to, to help us to be increasingly responsible and loving representatives of Jesus Christ in the church 
and in the world, wherever we go and with whomever we're with. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.